Okay, so I think I've, I think I've changed what I'm going to speak on um, just that when I was sitting down there. So it says here in Romans chapter 1 and verse 7, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, Jonah, we're going to put the, f- the first verse up. This is really um, what kind of gives rise to the, uh, the wonderful every day. And it's from 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 17. Um, and it says, Nevertheless, each one should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is the rule I laid down in all the churches. Uh, so this was really kind of like our uh, springboard. It's good to see this stuff in the Bible, right? Uh, before we, that's the, always the problem with uh, themes. They're hard to preach on because the Bible, you're taking it out of the whole Bible. So it's not like you've got a text of a few verses. You've got, oh, it's the whole Bible. How easy is this going to be? Um, and so the problem with the theme stuff is that it's everywhere in the whole Bible. But also, we want to we know, don't we, that it's actually got a Bible basis for it. Um, because that's where we get our authority from, and that's what we want to live out of, is His words are not our own made up. Uh, So it comes from this, that the Lord has assigned to each one a calling. Now the next verse is a bit uh, more, uh, yeah, it's it's just a bit more than that. And this is taken from the New King James Version, uh, because in the NIV it doesn't read the same. But it says here, let every man continue in the calling in which he was, was, no, sorry, let every man continue in the calling in which he was called to Christ. Yeah, so there's two, two words there that are calling. Um, one is the calling that we have received to be in fellowship with Jesus Christ. This is where Jesus' hands come out to us in, in rescue, in salvation, in friendship. He wants us to be a part of him. And so he's, we've been called by the Father into fellowship with his Son. So therefore, into fellowship with the Father and into fellowship with each other. Okay, so this is the huge calling uh, that is, um, is upon us as Christians, that we've been called out of darkness into light. We've been called um, out of, you know, living f- uh, with no purpose into a purpose-filled life. That is the big one. That's the big calling that, uh, it, uh, that we have responded to, and it's the big call for you if you're not a Christian here, is that God is calling you right now through the preaching that's how he's called us, through the preaching. He, his invitation comes to you to have fellowship with Jesus Christ. And through that, you can know the Father and be in fellowship with his people. But the striking thing with that verse is that when, you, when we had that call to trust in Jesus, it says that you are already in a calling. You're already living in a place that God had assigned to you. That's where that call took place. When you were called into fellowship with his son, you were already in a call. You were already in a calling. And we saw this week that those callings, that it's plural. There are lots of callings that God has assigned to you in life. So we've got this definition from a guy called William Perkins, and uh, he is a Puritan uh, great guy. Um, I don't know him personally, uh, but uh, this is a great one. So he says, this is what it is. A calling is a certain kind of life ordained by God for the common good. So this is our definition of a calling. It is the certain life that God has assigned to you, um, and it has been ordained by God. This has been set up by Him, 
And, it, and the purpose for all of these callings is the common good. It is so that we would love our neighbor. It's the way in which God wants to show his love and his kindness and his mercy and his grace to us and to the whole world. So we looked at creation. Creation is really where Jesus, uh, as he creates the world according to what the Father wants him to do, um, shows us all of these certain places, the certain life that he has called us to. And so we had a look at uh, children. Uh, you find yourself in a certain life ordained by God, and that is uh, that there were two people, uh, a man and a woman, who got together um, and produced you, which is the life. And uh, that, that's what God called them to. They called, he called them into a marriage, that's one calling. Then he called them into parenthood, another calling, a plurality of calls. Um, and so it is that God has done that for you children, isn't it? The, as you look at your mum and dad, often you look like this. Um, and Anwin has got the great frown on she when she looks like this. And um, you see all the kids like that. But, but, that, but Anwin is to realize, and every children, child here is to realize that God had called their parents into marriage. And that's where they had sex, and that's where they produced life, which is them. And they're supposed to look and go, how great is, is God that in, in this life he has called my parents to be joined together and then to produce me, and then we've got this family unit going, going on. How incredible is God, isn't it? How kind is he? How loving is he? And that goes for all the relationships, because in creation, he has created us to not be alone. We're not alone here on earth. We are not alone. We're never to be living by ourselves, just cut off from everybody else. That's going against the certain life that God has called you to. So he calls you into relationships. And so there is that one. There is the single one with the church family. There is the married one with the church family. There's uh, the parent in the church family. Uh, all of these are callings into church membership. They're relational ones. And we can't we don't want to get out of that because he's called us to that kind of life. Then there's another side of it, isn't it? Another calling is that you're called to work. Another creation thing is that he created work, and we have to work. What happens when someone refuses to work? Well, we call them bums for a start, don't we? That's what we call them. You're a bum. You're just bum. You're a bum in this and bum in that. It's like you're just no, no good. You're not doing anything. You're a bum. That's what we call people, but it's more than that, isn't it? That actually they're, they're abandoning the call that God has put in their life to work. Yeah, because he's made us like that. So the two big distinctions with our callings that have been a, a certain life put out before us before God that he has ordained or imposed upon us is in our relationships and in our work. Overarching all of that is that call to be in fellowship with Jesus Christ. And we saw on the church holiday that Jesus had these calls upon his life. He had a plurality of callings. He was uh, a son, son of Mary, also son of the Father in heaven, steps under Joseph. He occupied that calling. He had a calling to be a carpenter. So he, he learned. He learned how to use wood. He had a calling to be a church member. He sat in the synagogue, and he was found there as a child, listening to what was being taught. He had a calling of being a brother. He had a calling, multiple callings. And then he left one calling of being a carpenter and was given another. And that was to be our priest, the great high priest, the one who would go to the cross for us, who there would be the sacrifice and the presenter of the sacrifice 
the priest and sacrifice for our sins, so that he might then even now continue in that role, in that calling to be a mediator who's interceding for us, praying for us every single day. And Jesus didn't abandon any of his callings. Do you remember in the Gethsemane when it almost happened? Where he's like, if this, you know, if, if it's possible, this cup can be taken from me. And he's like, no, he's now going to abandon his calling. <laughs> he's going to abuse the calling with which God has called him to. <clears throat> but it's just a little stutter, isn't it? Because then he's like, but not my will, but yours be done. And how does that, isn't it? It's good, isn't it, that it matches kind of with what Andrew just said, isn't it? Of like, oh, I, I, I want to know that his will for me is that I am more kind, that I am more compassionate. Yeah, it's about what he wants, not what you want in your callings. So we've seen a lot of that. And then this last one, the, the, the verse I, verses I read out, in 1 Corinthians 7, it talks about lots of different, well, two different callings. There's one of marriage and singleness, and there's one of being circumcised and uncircumcised. Um, and the circumcision one is a bit of tongue-in-cheek sarcasm from Paul, because you can't become uncircumcised. Uh, you can't. Um, but he, he says after that, he says, but what, um, yeah, doing what God commands is all that counts. All that counts is doing what God commands in all of your callings. So whether you've got the calling of marriage or whether you've got the calling of singleness, whether you've got the calling, um, you know, whatever it is of being a friend and a son or, or whatever, a daughter, a brother or sister, what counts is doing what God commands. And what does God command? Luke chapter 10 says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, so this really is, is incredible. We have benefited so much from God's ordaining the calls of many people in our lives, haven't we? We've been blessed already as, uh, as the girls have been, you know, called uh, into membership with us in church, and their job is to do tea and coffee. We've been blessed by that. You've been blessed by friendships here. I think uh, Clayton was just saying that Church Hollywood was so good there was just talking, really just intimately with people of like, oh, this is it, you know, and talking just real stuff. And, and what we, we get loads of benefit. We get to see God's love for us in the, how someone talks to us and helps us. But then there's this other side of it where yeah, it's supposed to be, then I am that for other people. I am to be the one who um, the people look at and say, God is putting Lee on like a mask or like a glove. And God right now is coming to me and saying to me that he loves me and he wants to help me. Because that, that's how um, Luther puts it. He puts it like this, that God puts us on like a mask. He puts us on like a glove when you see the kindness from somebody else, it is, it is them, but it's more than that. There is a God behind that. There is a God who loves you and cares for you and has ordained this calling so that you might know his love and his grace and his help. That's incredible. And so it is then that, you know, we're asked to love our neighbors as ourselves. The loving of your neighbor in this passage, is, it, it, it kind of pushes the boundaries a bit, doesn't it? It pushes the boundaries because this man is traveling somewhere. Um, you know, he's got to be somewhere. He's got things to do. He's not traveling that road just for the fun of it. He isn't even traveling that road. Is he thinking, I wonder who I'll find beaten up on the side of the road? He's not, he's not thinking like that, is he? He's going somewhere. 
And then when he does find the guy, this is not a quick fix. This is going to take some time, this is. His plans are interrupted, um, and yet he stops where two people have crossed over, where two people who have this, what might be perceived as a high calling of being a priest or a Levite. We saw that this week, that it's not, it's not uh, in, in a pyramid. It's not a hierarchy. I'm ordained to be a minister, and I've got to live out my calling, but your call is equal to mine. In the eyes of God, your calling is just as important. Just important. But these guys have got the, the calling of priest and Levite, and they cross over the other side. The one who is despised by the church, the Samaritan, seen like you don't do things properly and we hate you, he's the guy who stops. He's the guy who loves his neighbor as himself. And so he gets on his knees. He's like, my plans have been interrupted. Jesus is Lord. That's what we're going to see in Romans, isn't it? That's what he says in Romans. Jesus is Lord. He has put this man across my path, and this man needs help. God loves him. God wants to show kindness to him. God wants to help him. And what has God done for him? He's put me there. He has put me there at this exact time so that I would come across him and I might be the answer to his need. God wants to help him and put me on as a mask and a glove and as a suit to come and help this man. And so he gets on his knees and into the dust and there he is pouring oil and wine on him and patching him up. He does more than that, isn't it? He? he gently scoops him up and puts him on his donkey and then walks the rest of the way. And he walks to an inn and there presents him into a room, puts him on a bed, talks to the innkeeper, makes sure he's taken care of. I'll come back in three days. And so he does. He comes back in. I will reimburse you. The cost is entirely his. So the kind of love is the kind of love that we see with Jesus, isn't it? This love of Jesus, when he made that call to you in the callings in which you found yourself, was all because of him and the work that he did for you. The work that he did uh, in dying on the cross. It cost him everything, cost you nothing. It's that kind of love, isn't it? We call it a sacrificial love, where he just lays down his very life for you. And it's that kind of love that we see happening here that this man is not them mumbling under his breath of like, I'll tell you what, I've been at Junction 42 by now. Um, you know, it's, it's not like, he hasn't got like a, the sat-nav ahead going, seeing the time click on, isn't it? Time of arrival, boom, boom, boom. It's like, now I've got to travel faster to try and get back to the original time. Uh, that's what I do in the car, try and race myself, get back what I've lost. He's not like that. He's not mumbling about the money that he's lost. He understands his calling, his calling, like maybe as a citizen of that country or as a church member, right? He understands his calling, and it's like, here is someone who is in need, and I've got to come out to him. Now, what you think straight away, isn't it, of like, I, I, I think I could kind of do that. I, I kind of fail a bit, you know, with, um, with the fact that I do have my plans, and I am reticent to give up my plans. Like, I hate it, and I'm cursing when I get a flat tire or something, you know, in the car, because it's like, ah, uh, and I have, a, I have to do a lot of work to get myself to go, Jesus is Lord, and I'm not in control of this, but he is, um, and maybe this is a time where I'll just enjoy uh, and get to benefit from his love and kindness. It's quite humbling, isn't it? Um, so, I, yeah, maybe you look at this and think, well, on a good day, I, I could do this bit, <laughs> 
I could do that. Going back the three days after, I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I can do that part. But what we're missing here is the Samaritan issue. It's the Samaritan thing it is. So when Jesus tells this parable, picture it in your mind is not a complete stranger. It's the people that you know and you would love to hate because they deserve it. That's the kind of person we're talking about. So we're talking about, you know, uh, siblings, brothers and sisters, when your other brother or sister is being really nasty to you and is winding you up on purpose. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like, it's like mum and dad when you look at your kids and they're just taking the mick, absolutely taking the mick and running amok. It's at times like that. It's, quite, it's not funny, but it's like you do, do smirk, don't you, when your kid is like having a massive tantrum and then hurts themselves. There's a part of you that goes, <laughs> it's like you deserve that. If you, had, if you had been doing what I said, then you wouldn't have had that. But it's that sort of moment. It's in work. It's in work when you look at that colleague who always, he always puts the knife in, you know, to kind of undermine you or to cut you down in front of people. That person who always kind of tries to humiliate you and make you look stupid. It's that sort of person that we're talking about here. Like in school, the person who, who bullies you. The person, who you, you know, you'd suddenly come across this person who bullies you and they're in need. And you go, what are you doing? Why have you sent me to them? Couldn't you have found you know, another way to help this person? I don't even think you should help them. But if you've got to, find someone else to do it. But it's like, no, you are across their path. You are across their path. And it's really hard then, isn't it, to love that person as you would love yourself. It's why Jesus tells this parable in the first place. Because it's, it's not impossible to love your enemies. It's really difficult to love your enemies. That's why he told this parable, because that person who wants to justify themselves, they want to be justified and made right before God according to their own goodness. So he picks this one to be like, yeah, all the best with that, mate. All the best with that, because you ain't got, you ain't got a, a clue, and you've got no hope. And so it is when he looks at us, and he's like, in all of your callings, it's for the common good you're calling. It's not about you, it's not about you uh, and what you can get out of it and putting you at the very center of your callings. It's like seeing now that God has a purpose and plan for my life, and it is for the good of the people who are, who are in front of me, the certain life that He has called me to. And so it is that when you look at the people in your life, you might be able to look at your kids, and it's easy to love them as yourself when they're listening to you, when they're obeying you. It's easier, isn't it, as brothers and sisters to love each other when you're playing a game and everything's going really well. It's hard when there's injustice in it where they're cheating at a game, isn't it? It's hard, isn't it, when people cheat at games. I find it hard. Uh, we see it in the kids on church holiday. It's like there's this like, but, but, but the ball was out. <laughs> it's like, but, but, but they picked up a different card. It's really difficult when there's injustice involved to then go, oh, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. Ah, oh, so hard, so hard and almost not impossible, right? Which is why when Paul writes to the church at Rome, he says to all those who are called to be saints, all those who have been called by God into fellowship with his son, grace and peace to you. Did you think that the only grace that you needed was at your conversion? Did you think that? Did you really think that all the help that you needed kind of was only to do with getting you saved? Because, I mean, that is a massive obstacle, isn't it? 
our sin, our death that we find ourselves in, and our inability, pure inability to pay it, that was needed. We needed him to come to us from the outside and, and to do something for us, and he gladly served us. It cost him everything, and it was difficult. He sweat drops of blood, but he did it. But did you think that's where it stops? That our need of him stops at our conversion? You see, he doesn't just there, right then, give you a massive download. A download that gives you everything. Now, carry on with life now. Now, now do better. No, he has called you into fellowship with his son. And he so ordains our lives that we need daily his help. We need his grace every moment of every single day. That's what we need. And so Paul here says, when you were called... Oh, yeah, that was all of grace, wasn't it? Not of your works, all of Christ's works. So you don't start boasting about it. That's what you need. It is grace. But you need grace every single day. Grace and peace to you. And that's how you're able to love your neighbor as yourself. By his help. Because you can't do it yourself. You haven't got the resources. You haven't got the ability you haven't got the willpower. You haven't got the mindset for it. You can't. You've got to go to him one day and say, Lord Jesus, please help me. Help me to love my neighbor as myself. You've got to go to him and, and call out to him and say, I am empty. Please fill me. He has ordained life, isn't it? So that once a week on the Lord's day, you come and you get a sack filled with grace, isn't it? Yeah, that's how he's ordained your life. He says there's one day of rest where you, you stop work. You stop doing stuff for yourself. And, and you come and I will give you stuff. I will give you help. And so he's ordained it that there's a massive welcome for you at church. Because you need that. That's his love to you. That's him putting on uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the Porth Carry Posse, wasn't it, on uh, welcoming this morning? The Porth Carry Posse uh, were, were, were used uh, as masks for God this morning because they welcomed you into church. And where you have felt, oh man, I have failed to love God and love my neighbor as myself, and I'm dragging myself in here, you've had a torrid week uh, with, the, uh, with the other people that God has ordained in your life, in your relationships. Uh, you've had a, a nightmare, but you walk in that door, and there's this, this posse that are waiting for you to welcome you to church, and it's God put them, putting them on as masks. And then you came in here, and then you had another welcome at the table here with tea and coffee, and what your bodily, well, you know, your bodily needs um, have been met in, in this, and then you come, and then he wants to speak to you, and, and the singing was great this morning, I felt like, boom, this, yeah, you're singing not for yourself, but you're singing for others, and you're singing for him, and it's God putting them on as masks to be able to help you. And then the, pra the pastoral prayer comes, you know, the confession and comfort, uh, where you're told, yeah, you've had a stormy week this week. Uh, and that's like, yeah, that's an understatement. Uh, and you felt like you just shipwrecked your whole faith and life uh, by, you know, your sin. But then you're told, no, Jesus has paid for your sin. He knows you and he knows what you need. And you need to be told, peace be with you this morning. And then you, the pastoral prayer comes, isn't it? And we're, we're prayed for. Um, and 
yeah, the wonderful every day is flagged up of like, no, it's possible to live in Cardiff every day um, and it be wonderful uh, knowing God's help and, uh, and knowing his, his love to us. And then you come to the sermon, he's going to speak to you again. He's going to fill your sack and he's going to give you grace. So this is a massive moment here, isn't it, on, a, on, a, on the Lord's day where you're getting a massive sack full of help from the Lord. But then on Monday, what happens, I've forgotten most of what happened yesterday, to be honest. It was so hot in the church room, 22 and a half degrees, I think it was. And yeah, it was hot, and I didn't really listen all the way through. And oh man, what is my, what am I to do again today? Oh, that's right, yeah, something about callings and something about not having everything I need. (laughs) It's like, oh, and then you get on the Lord's Prayer, right? The Lord's Prayer is the daily prayer for us. Every single day, you're starting off by praying the hard stuff. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name, not mine. Your kingdom come, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. On earth as it is in heaven. You're praying the hard stuff first. It's easier to pray, um, forgive us our sins, (laughs) but it doesn't come for a long time. Because you've got to get yourself in a place every single day where you're focused on him and not on yourself. Not on yourself. He will give you your bodily needs. He will give you uh, forgiveness as you forgive others. <laughs> Don't forget that. That's in your callings. And that's how you love your neighbor is, uh, I, I need to forgive them. He will help you in all of your fears. Lead us not into temptation. If, if I'm faced with temptation today, I'm going to blow it. Please help me. And help me against the evil one because I'm frightened of him. And I'm frightened of his way of life becoming my way of life. Every single day, you need help. But every single day, there is help for you. So if you want to give this one a title, and I know I've only preached half of it again, (laughs) it's this. All the Lord wants from you, he gives you. All you need to live, he provides for you. All that frightens you, he will protect you from must have this, right? In all of your callings, I know that's a long title, (laughs) in all of your callings, all that the Lord wants from you in your callings, to love Him and to love your neighbor as yourself, He gives you. Isn't that incredibly freeing? Isn't that load off? That when you are in that moment and you look at your kids and you want to explode and you want to do the opposite of loving them, I want to be spiteful to them. I want to be nasty to them because they deserve it and they're a nightmare. Or when you're looking at someone at work and it's like, oh, I, I want to do the total opposite. I want, to, I want to stab their tires. That's what I want to do. I want to leave their car like with them and just break off the windscreen wiper or something. Um, <clears throat> I want to do something and say something uh, that, that, that then will be traced back to them. Or, do you know, in all of that sort of stuff, now that you, you just take, you take a minute... And say, no, there is a way I can love my neighbor as myself. Because God wants me to do that. And he will give me all that I need to do that. Don't look at your callings and see them as something, a huge, like, uh, you know, a huge sort of wall that you've got to ascend and climb to be able to get to do it. No, just where you are this morning. Where you are this morning, just cry out to him, Lord, I need help. And help is what he has ordained for you today in church. 
That's what it's all about. But then tomorrow morning, maybe I'll read the Lord's Prayer after the daily reading. Because daily we need to talk and ask Him. The one who's got everything is, is approachable. And He says, if you don't ask, you don't get. Isn't it in James? So it's like, let's get on the asking then. And the way that He asks, the way He teaches us to ask is the Lord's Prayer. So let's get on it. Let's ask Him daily for help so we love Him and love our neighbor as ourselves. Those are the commands that, that, that count. That's all that matters is God's commands. And those are His two commands. And, one, and they both like it, like each other, aren't they? It's love God, love your neighbor. That's all that counts in your callings. Love God, love your neighbor. And there's help from Jesus to do that. So I pray. Lord Jesus, please help us. We need you. Honestly, we need you. Um, there's only like a fraction of the time really where like we're going, oh yeah, this is all right. We need your help because we are a bunch of sinners called into fellowship with Jesus um, and are, are sent from church today into our different callings and, and we need you in each and every one of them. So please help us, we pray, and keep us um, in that mindset, Lord. Instead of being bitter towards you for calling us to be where we are, uh, that we actually call out to you instead and ask you to help us where we are. We pray that, uh, yeah, through us, uh, the people around us might indeed be blessed because we are loving them um, as we love ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.